Second Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm going to look at verses 17 and 18 just to encourage you, and then we'll get into tonight's lesson. This is Bible study. It says, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We all, with open face, what are we doing? Beholding. We are beholding as in a glass. We are looking at the glory of the Lord. When you look into the Word of God, you're looking into the mirror of destiny. You are looking into the glory of the Lord. It says, and we are changed into the same image. That is, we are becoming what we are looking at. We are becoming what we are beholding. We are changed now. It says we are looking as in the glass, the glory of the Lord. So we are looking at the glory of the Lord. Then it says in the same breath that we are also changed into the same image from glory to glory. Even as by the spirit of the Lord. This is a law that you must Hold on to and never forget. You become what you behold. You become what you behold. They are looking at the glory of the Lord here. And they are being changed into the same image. You are becoming what you are beholding. And this time from glory to glory. But then it is the work of the Holy Spirit. When we make time for God's word to look into the word of God, the spirit of the word gets into us. The glory of the word becomes our glory. We reflect the glory. When you spend quality time with the Lord, it will determine the amount of virtue that you will draw from him. I'll give you an example. If you have a cousin who has never been to Ibadan, and then dashes into Ibadan. For some reason, they have um, an official assignment in Ibadan. And they say, can you take me to, um, take me to a, a nice place where I can just relax a bit and just enjoy Ibadan. But I have only 10 minutes. Now, you are here in Mokola. And you're thinking, where can I take this person in 10 minutes? Uh, meaning that wherever we go... Travel time max should be like five minutes to and fro. So that they can spend five minutes where I take them. Okay, so I think of University of Ibadan. But University of Ibadan from here is more than five minutes. But well, maybe they'll just get there, look at the gates. This is University of Ibadan and then we'll come back. And so you have to now factor in the fact that you have to pray that there is no traffic on the way. So you take them to University of Ibadan. Maybe in eight minutes or seven minutes, you're able to make it from here. And then you show them the gate. You point at it. This is the premier university in Nigeria. Wow. This is the University of Ibadan. Nice. And then you turn. Because they'll probably miss their train or miss whatever they, they, they may miss. They need to return to their destination or to their uh, station. Imagine if the same person tells you, okay, so I'm in town because... Now, you're cousins, all right? I'm in town because I have one hour. Can you show me Ibadan? Show me a nice place. You could take them to the same University of Ibadan, you know, in one hour. You know in 10 minutes you are there, maximum. And then you take them from, uh, 
from the main gate, you show them this is trench at all. Where if you have a special events or whatever, you know, we use this place and also for university activities. Now, that's, um, let me take you to the PG school. So, you see the postgraduate school. Now, let me take you to the different faculties and department. Now, let me take you to the botanical garden where you see all kind of trees and people come there to pray and fellowship and they have picnics and all of that. Okay, so let's also go to the zoological garden where you see animals and all of that. Now, you'll agree with me that because the person has more time, they will see more things, you know. Are you with me? Is, does that make sense to you? Now, when they came earlier, they only had the time to see the gates of the university. They never got into the university because they didn't have enough time. But now, they've got one hour. Now, imagine if they have three hours. Imagine if they have a whole day. Then you take them from University of, of Ibadan. Take them to another... Do we have interesting places in Ibadan? Okay, you take them to the mall. Uh, you take them to the Palms Mall, and then from there maybe to Coco Mall, and then Ventura Mall, I think it's the only malls we have now. You know, just take them somewhere. They get to know the town because they have more time. So the more time they have, the more things they get to see. Are you with me? Are you with me tonight? The more time you have, the more time you invest in the word of God, the more things you get to see. We all beholding as in a glass with open face. What are we beholding? We are beholding the glory of the Lord. But then we are changed from glory, we are changed to the same image from glory to glory. The, the, the investment you make in God's word will determine the amount of virtue that you will draw from the word of God. I said that to encourage you, spend time daily in God's word. You will see more things. You see more of God. You see more of the glory. You get more revelation. You walk in revelation. You walk in greater light. And the higher you rise in the realm of the spirit, the more things you are able to see. Let me give you another illustration. On this floor, my, my view is limited. I can't tell if anybody is standing outside the gate of this church waiting for me. I can't tell. So, if I leave this building and I go up to the first floor of the adjoining building, you agree with me, I can see if anybody is outside the gate. But I cannot see if there's anyone at Mokola Market or if anything is going on there. I may hear the noise, but I can't see what is going on there. But you agree with me, if I move on to the second floor and I peep through the window or one of the windows of that building, I can see what is going on at Mokola Market. But I might not be able to see what is going on at Mokola Roundabout. So you agree with me, if I want to see what is going on at Mokola Roundabout, I move on to the next floor. If I go to the highest floor, the topmost floor, I will have a wider view. That's the way it is. When you climb higher and higher, when you rise higher and higher in the things of the spirit, the more revelation you will have. The more things you will see. Can I have an amen to that? That's why, and this is, this is going to lead me to my teaching tonight. The things of God are spiritually discerned. But someone would ask, how can I improve my discernment? My ability to discern. It is what I discern, I can obey. If I'm not able to discern what the Lord is saying to me, if I don't know his instructions, then I cannot obey. I don't know what he's even saying in the first place. But if I get to know what the Lord is saying to me, then I can receive the grace to obey him. Can I have an amen to that? Can I have an amen to that? So how do I improve my discernment? That's very important. Because I'll be talking about that tonight. I encourage you, spend an hour daily praying the Holy Ghost. You don't know how it works. 
And it is not your business to try to explain the dynamics of how it works. But one thing that you will know is that it works. You will be smarter intellectually. You will be sharper spiritually. Your spirit man will be able to pick things easily from God. You will, you will be able to follow his promptings more easily. You can pick up what the Lord is saying and then obey. Because obedience is key in this kingdom. But again, what do you obey if you don't have the revelation or if you don't have the discernment of what the Lord is saying? Are you with me tonight? Are you with me tonight? Spend time praying in the Holy Ghost. I recommend one hour, minimum, minimum, one hour, minimum, daily. It will help you. Jude said in verse 20, in the Amplified Classic, it said, you rising higher and higher like an edifice. Remember the illustration I gave you. If I want to see what is going on at Mokola Market, I go to the highest floor, the topmost floor in the next building. If I get to the topmost floor, then I can see as far as my eyes will permit me. I can see as far as whoever is standing on that uh, uh, topmost floor can see. But, but that's not the, the highest, you know. And that's not the best view. Because from that point, I can't see what is going on in Budija. Are you with me? Come on, church. Are you with me tonight? But imagine there's a skyscraper like Femi Johnson uh, building at Dubai. And I go to the 24th floor. The topmost floor. I can see almost the whole of Ibadan. I will not be able to see in details what is going on on every street. But I can have a view, like an aerial view of Ibadan. Are you with me, church? There is a place called Bowers Tower. Is in Ibadan also, in the interior part of Ibadan. It's, it's, it used to be one of the tourist centers. You know, when things were still working in this, in this city and state. But I think the government's trying to also revamp the place now. If you go there, it's like what they have um, in London. In London, there's a place called London Eye, where you can book. You can book a capsule, and then, you know, the thing will take you up, and then up in the sky, and then you can see the whole of the city of London. You might not be able to see what is going on on every street, but you have an, you have an overview, a general view of the city of London. The higher you go, the wider the wider you see, the same in the realm of the spirit. Imagine when you rise up higher and higher like an edifice for 30 minutes. There is something you're going to see. What about you do an hour? What about you do two hours? What about you do three hours? I'm not saying, well, pastor, you know, we're very busy. We're students. We go to school. We go to work. Thank God for that. But you can schedule your time. Factor your prayer time into your daily routine. Don't pray accidentally. You know what I mean? You just happen to pray. So today is 6 a.m. Tomorrow might be 9.30. Depends on when, when I have the chance. No. Schedule it. Schedule your prayer time. Schedule your prayer time. So that's the way you can build a prayer life. Are you with me, church? So we're talking about the total man. And we're looking at our spirit, soul, and body. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. Um. Paul the Apostle, by the unction of the Holy Spirit, said, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, set you apart, holy. And I pray God, your whole spirit, he started with spirit and soul, that is next, and body, be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I said last week, and I repeat again, your spirit man is the most important part of you. Your spirit man. And you are a spirit. You are a spirit. Somebody say, I'm a spirit. Somebody say, ah, but I'm flesh and blood. No, you're not flesh and blood. You're a spirit. The real you. The real you is on the inside of you. That's the you that makes you you. And that's the you that the university cannot educate. 
Your university education is not useful for your spirit man. The university cannot reach your spirit man. At best, what they reach is your mental faculty, the mental realm. And that is within the confines of your soul. Because your soul is divided into three parts. Your soul comprises your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so all of the education you are getting is educating your mind, enlightening your mind, which is fine. You know, talking to your intellectual, your, your intellectual capacity and capabilities, all right? And then you have your will. And your will is powerful. It's a powerhouse. Actually, maybe what I'll call the powerhouse of the soul. And you don't know how strong your will is until it clashes with the will of God. When you want to go this way and God says go this way, but then you end up going this way. We have loads of examples in the Bible. Jonah is an example. A prophet of God. An example of how strong your will can be. You want to migrate to Canada and the Lord says stay back in Nigeria. And you're looking at, Lord, what do you mean Nigeria? There's nothing in Nigeria. And God says, well, I want you to stay back here. This is where my plan is for you. That's a tough one. It's really tough. And un unless you, you have been there, you really don't know how, how, how strong your will can be. And then the, the last part of your soul is your emotions. And mo for the most part, we're familiar with that. We'll be looking at that when we get to the soul. I'll divide them into that, those three compartments and then take them one after the other. We're go also going to talk about mind renewal. What the senior pastor, the lead pastor is teaching now at the Bible study, at the um, ICC. We're going to talk about that, how to renew the mind. But then even before we get to that point, I will be chipping in some scriptures to help you renew your mind. I'll be talking about that, that factor. It's very important that a Christian should possess a renewed mind. It's very important because it can limit your life. It can limit the blessings that you enjoy from God. It can limit the extent to which you work with God. If your mind is not renewed, it's a terrible thing. You remember the example we had um, last Sunday, 2 Kings chapter 7, when the man of God gave a prophecy and said, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel at the gate of Samaria and two measures of barley for a shekel. But then the Lord, who's, on whose hand the king leaned, immediately rebuffed the word of God, immediately antagonized the word of God, immediately said, Look, I'm going to resist this. It can't happen. Because if God were to make windows in heaven, what you have just said now would not even happen. Might it be, might this thing be? You know why he would talk that way? Because his mind was not renewed. Not renewed by the word of God and not renewed to the word of God. It's difficult for an unrenewed mind to believe, to believe the promises of God. It's difficult. And as believers also, we need to be careful and be very intentional about renewing our mind. Because God can give you a promise and you just think, nah, how's that going to happen? Even us. If I say, for example, now, so we're going to pull down the building behind me where my office is and the lead pastor is planning to build something else there, build a hall as an extension for the junior church and then we're going to have a couple of offices there. And then, um, so our church is supposed to come up with 10 million naira. If you look around, the youth church is supposed to come up with 10 millionaires. The first thing is to laugh. Somebody just laughed. When the lead pastor said that to me, I laughed too. He said, you see what I'm saying? You don't believe. He said, oh, no, I believe. But the truth is, oh, 10 million. The first thing is in the natural. How many people do I have in my church? How many of them are working? How much of tithe and offering do we have? Can that be an indices to how much we can expect? And if you look at that in the natural, 
For one year, we probably might not be able to come up with that. And that money is needed in a couple of weeks into maybe just a couple of months. So if I say that God is going to make you a millionaire, you look at yourself, what do I do? What kind of, how much am I making from my business? 15K a month, how do I become a millionaire? Now, the, the process of renewing your mind is not overnight, it's over time. Are you with me? Are you with me? It's over time, but you have to expose yourself to the word of God. So much so, I wish I could demonstrate it tonight, but maybe next week. Um, so much so that the light of the word will permit into your spirit, and then it's transmitted into your soul, and then it begins to drive out the darkness. We treat unbelief as darkness. And unbelief is terrible. They asked Jesus when they couldn't cast out that demon. Why couldn't we, his disciples? He said, because of your unbelief. Unbelief is a terrible thing. You know that God can do it. Oh. When we talk about unbelief, it's not disbelief. Unbelief is, we know God has the power. If I ask you now, do you know God can make you a billionaire? Does he have the power to do that? Oh, yes. But he's going to make you a billionaire. Well, um, pastor, it's a, let him just give me my daily bread. I'm fine. <laughs> because you just can't fathom. You can't come up to that point where you believe that he can do it. You know he can. But that he will do it for you. And then maybe within a very short time. Ah, I don't know. Ah, the mind is not renewed yet. A mind that is renewed by the word and to the word will easily receive the promises of God. Will easily believe the promises of God. Amen. If the Lord were to make windows in heaven, might this thing be? He was an unbeliever. Unbelievers don't have renewed mind. It's believers who have renewed minds when they renew their mind intentionally by the word of God. Very important. Okay, so, but tonight we're still dealing with the spirit, so let's not go there yet. That's just to give you uh, an example what is coming. All right, so um, I stopped at a point last week, and I want to take it off from there now. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter 2. That was the scripture we read, and I stopped there. First Corinthians 2, 9, 9 to 14. First Corinthians 2, 9 to 14. It said, but as it is written, okay, so let me make this statement again that I made last week, maybe to help those of you that were not around. So man is a tripartite being. Man is a being that is made up of three parts. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Somebody say, I'm a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. So this body is just your earth suit. It's called your earth suit, like the suit you wear on this earth. That's why the body is not, is not the totality of you. With your spirit man, with your spirit, you contact the spiritual realm. With your soul, you contact the mental realm. And then with your body, you contact this physical realm. So you need a body to be here legally, to be here legitimately. If you don't have a body and you show up and you say you want to fellowship with us, we'll cast you out. We want to deal with people that have bodies here. Am I right about that? 
That's why when the body dies, it's, ah, that person has not died. It's just the body that dies. The person is dead. Don't put them in the ground, though. Ah, ah, no, he's my friend. Just leave him here. He's not dead. His spirit is somewhere. It's just the body that is dead. Look, you need the body to be here in this realm. Are you with me, church? But it's unfortunate that people pay a whole lot of attention to the body at the detriment of their soul and many at the detriment even of their spirit. That's why I want to teach the total man so that we can be balanced. So as you take care of your spirit man, you take care of your soul, which is important. If you don't take care of your soul, depression can set in. All manner of things can set in. And you prosper and you be in health according to the prosperity of your soul. That's John verse 2. So the soul is very important. Even to your health. Your, your bodily health depends on your soul. And you know when the devil is going to torment people? It's just a thought. Just one thought. I've never seen the devil pull a gun and pull a trigger on anybody. How come he's able to murder people? How come he's able to get the people into depression and then they die? He wants to kill them. He just gives them a thought. Boom. Just a thought. And that goes into your soul. And when it is processed and accepted and transmitted into the parts of your body, then where the mind goes, the man follows. You just hear a voice inside you. Well, what are you waiting for? Nobody loves you anyway. Nobody cares about you. Go hang yourself or take that chemical. Go drink it. Yesterday alone, I read in the news two different people that committed suicide. One of them was a 400-level university student somewhere. I don't know what the problem was. They found an insecticide in her room or something. Another person, can't remember what happened. That person also took his life or took a life, whoever they were. There was a man that took his life in Germany during the COVID, just as COVID started, the lockdown. Why did he take his life? He was a minister. He was the minister in charge of their finance. He said he didn't know how the people, the masses would cope. So he killed himself. He killed himself for the masses. Does that make any sense to you? Now, did they cope or not? Don't we have the nation Germany till today? That's, that's what the devil can do. He just sold an idea to him. The idea got into his soul, became a stronghold. That's why the Bible tells us that the weapons of our warfare, 2 Corinthians 10 from verse 4, are not carnal, but they are mighty. They are not carnal, they are not physical, but nonetheless, they are very mighty. Don't mess up with your confession. Don't mess up with the word of God. Don't joke with your prayer life. These weapons are mighty. Don't mess up with the blood of Jesus. It might look like, oh, the blood. I can't see the blood. Hey, it is mighty. The angels that we don't see in the physical realm, that are in the realm of the spirit, are mighty. Psalm 103 verse 20 says, Bless the Lord, ye is angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening to the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, ye is angels that excel in strength, mighty, Powerful in strength. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What are strongholds? Thoughts, thought patterns, mindsets that have held our minds so strong. Stronghold. And they need to be pulled down. Their thoughts, their imaginations. You know how many negative things we imagine every day? Have you passed in front of a cemetery before and you imagine yourself dead? Why is it tough for us to imagine good things? Why is it that you want to write an exam and the first thing you imagine is, oh, what if I have a carryover? 
Have you ever imagined what if I, if I graduate as the best in this course? What if I'm the very best in this university? Why is it so hard to get us to imagine those things? Because we have not yet renewed our mind to the word of God. If a hundred applicants apply for a job, why don't you see as a believer I'm the one to get that job? If they're looking for one person, it's going to be me. Because our mind is not yet renewed to the word of God. And it is to the level, to the degree that you renew your mind that you are going to enjoy the promises of God. Are you with me, church? He says, but as it is written, I has not seen, I want to quickly do justice to this, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed. God deals with us by revelation. God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. Why revelation? Because God is a spirit. And you are a spirit. And the spirit-spirit communication is revelation. God reveals things to us. Now when he reveals that, he reveals it to your spirit man, not to your mind. Now, when your spirit man is strong enough, he's going to pass that in a form that is digestible to your soul. It's going to pass it to your soul. God doesn't relate directly to your mind. Your mind will blow. Your mind cannot fathom the things of God. We cannot. Our brain is too small for that. The brain, which is the hardware of the mind, is too small to summarize God. You can't even... Now, think about it. There are about 7 billion people in the world, and God knows each person by name. Do you know 2,000 people by name? If you know 2,000, do you know 5,000 by name? 5,000 people by name. You can tell, okay, if you know their names, 5,000, do you know their dates of birth? You can tell, okay, so this, this is until Lua, I like the date of birth, so, so, and so. I have two children, and sometimes I have to remind myself of their, of their birthdays. Some of you, you even, <laughs> you know what I was going to say. You forget your birthday, that somebody has to remind you, ah, it's your birthday now. Oh, yeah, it's true. Imagine God. Imagine if somebody were to remind God of our birthdays or of certain information about us. This God that knows our past, present, and future. What we have not become, he already knows. He's already there. Are you with me? He was there before the foundation of the world. Only God can be God. So how can your mind, how can your mind wrap, wrap up that kind of God? You can't wrap your mind around him. That's why we relate to him spirit to spirit. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things. Yay! The deep things of God. The spirit of God searches how many things? How many is all? Your past, your present, your future. All things. The Holy Ghost knows everything. Glory be to God. That's why you see we should be, we should be joyful that we have a senior partner, we have the Holy Ghost who knows everything. He knows everything about everything. You know, as young people, you need to learn to watch pornography so that when you grow, you know, mature, and then you get married, you would know how to do it, you know, how to do it well, you know, so that it's not your spouse that will be teaching you blah, 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 rubbish. An encouragement to go into sin. That's an encouragement from the pit of hell to destroy you. If you have never had sex all your life, you marry as a virgin, nobody needs to teach you anything. There is the Holy Ghost that will teach you all things. Can I have an amen to that? Can you see these lies of the devil? 
I saw a video <laughs> on, uh, on the internet. Okay, don't worry about that. All kinds of videos. Everybody is teaching everybody something now. And a lot of things that people are teaching other people are things that are directly contrary to the word of God. Encouraging people to go into sin. In the wisdom of the world, they say as a lady, try and get pregnant before you get married. Because, you know, we live in a very dangerous world. You know, people, you might get married now, and on your wedding day, somebody's not happy. They don't get to eat chicken. You know, you serve everybody, but some people might not get a good meat. And then they give you the story. There's always a story around it. One particular woman, aged woman, that came to somebody's wedding from their village, and they didn't serve her, and they bypassed her. And it wasn't the fault of the bride. Till today, 25 years, the woman has not, has not been able to get pregnant. So get pregnant oh, before you get married. That is contrary to the word of God. The marriage bed, the Bible says, should be kept undefiled. You should go there clean and chaste. But in the wisdom of the world, they say, you get married. I mean, you get pregnant before you get married. God says, get married before you get pregnant. If you don't renew your mind, you too might believe what they're saying. You believe, you, you don't know when you start believing in voodoo. And there are people today that go to church and still go to voodoo people to boost their business. And there are pastors in the ministry who are using voodoo to gather people and to do pseudo-miracles. You know why? Because they just cannot believe God. They cannot trust him enough to bless the work. If it is his work, he will bless it. If you do it according to instructions, according to pattern. You don't need to help God. We don't serve a God that needs help. Can I have an amen to that? I don't know about your God, but my God doesn't require the help of any man. And he, he's never done it. He's not doing it right now. He never will. All he requires is our obedience. So God reveals this thing to us by spirit. For the spirit searches all things, hear the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of that man that is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. So, if the Spirit of God knows the things of God, the Spirit of God in my spirit can reveal to me, to my spirit, what I need to know about the things of God because he's the custodian of the things of God. If my son knows everything about me, he knows my passwords, my pain, my, my pattern, how to open my phone, and everything, and you need to use my phone, all you need to do is go to him because he knows the pattern. Do you, son? All right. Next verse. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, glory to God, but the spirit which is of God. The spirit that the, the writer said in the earlier verse that knows the things of God. We have received the spirit that knows the things of God. He said the things of God knoweth no man except the spirit of God, right? He's now saying that we have or our intellectual capacity or our physical abilities. They are spiritually discerned. What does that mean? When God tells you to do certain things, they will not make sense to you in the natural. What God will tell you to do will not make sense in the natural. More often than not. More often than not. Because it is supposed to be discerned spiritually. And our response is supposed to be, Lord, I don't understand this, but if this is you, if this is what you're asking me to do, I'm going to go ahead and do it because you said I should do it. 
He says, go start a fellowship in your school. And you look at yourself, I'm not even a pastor. How, how does that work? How can I start a fellowship? Listen, your response is supposed to be, all right, so be it unto me according to your word. Lord, what is the wisdom? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to go about it? Start in your room. How? I'm the only one in my room. Talk to your neighbors. Greet them. The people you talk to normally, relate to them. Invite them for a prayer meeting. Start a prayer meeting. Everybody want to pray. 30 minutes in your room every Thursday or every Wednesday evening. And that's it. Simple obedience. And you go around, hello, good morning. How are you doing? How do you, what do you think about praying? Like, do you need someone to pray with? Like, 30 minutes every Wednesday evening if you're not busy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, I've been praying on my own, but if I get someone to pray with, I won't mind. All right. Okay, so I want to start a prayer meeting. Can we, can, we, can we pray together? And then the two of you get together and pray. And after 30 minutes, she feels like, oh, man, I feel good. Can we make it for the five minutes, please, next Wednesday? And please, can we even tell other people about it? And she might be the one telling everybody in the, in the hostel. And the fellowship starts. And before you know it, it's almost going into a church. Just because the Lord said, do this. It doesn't make sense in the natural. I'm a student. Why should I start a fellowship? Why should I do that? Why, 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 why? People like that end up on the same spot. The things of God are spiritually discerned. If you look at yourself in the natural, you're not qualified. Okay. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me show you a scripture. 1 Corinthians 1, um, verse 26. Verse 26. He said, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. See your calling. Not many mighty, not many wise men, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And the best things of the world and things which are despised as God chosen. Yea! And things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. Why? So that no flesh should glory in his presence. Moses was a stammerer. And God said, I'm going to use you as, your, as my mouthpiece. I thought God should pick an eloquent person to be his mouthpiece. Not the one that can't even call his name. What's your name? Mo, 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 Himself told God. He said, God, you know I'm a stammerer. God said, don't worry. I've called you all the same. Your brother Aaron will be your mouthpiece. Did God use him or not? The things that are despised. You think Peter <laughs> was a perfect man? No, he wasn't. He talked too much. Yet he was the number one apostle. Jesus said, I- I've come to die. And he said, no, you're not going to die. No, die again. Never. Satan get there behind. Oh yeah, let's go and pray. Peter, James, John. The three of them were sleeping. One hour, they had slept up. They couldn't pray one hour. They were sleeping. Jesus came again. Second hour, they were still sleeping. The third hour, they were still sleeping. Then the multitude came to arrest Jesus, Matthew 26. And by the time Peter's, Peter's eyes were cleared, when he saw the multitude, he brought out a sword to, to cut off somebody's ear. Canal solution to a spiritual issue. Yet, he was chosen. He denied Christ three times. Three times, not once, thrice. Yet, number one apostle. God chooses the best things to confound the things that say we are the ones that are qualified. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm amazed when I see young people who call themselves apostles and whatever, and you have not proven your calling. You need to be careful, though. This sense of entitlement because you know the Pauline scriptures, that doesn't qualify you. 
doesn't qualify you to be whoever. And the Bible says in Hebrews, no man taketh this honor unto himself. The instructions of God many times, more often than not, are spiritually discerned. Forgive that person. No, how can I forgive the person that someone that abused my mom, insulted my mom? Never. In the natural, never. But God says, do it. They are spiritually discerned. Eliab looked like the king, the next king of Israel. First Samuel, I believe chapter 15 or so. No, chapter 16. When Eli, when you get to read from verse 5 all the way to 13, because I have other things to read, I would have asked us to read it tonight but because of time. He, he went to the house of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. He wanted to anoint the king. God asked him to do that. Go with your vial of oil. And he got there. And Jesse brought out Eliab, his first son. Big chest. Six footer. Had a kingly stature. The shoulders were wide. Everything was, he was well built. Whoa. Samuel saw him and said, behold the king. <laughs> because he looked kingly. He didn't have my kind of stature. And when Samuel was going to make the mistake of anointing him as king, the Lord said, no, 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 no. I rejected him. He said, you are looking at the countenance. I am looking at the heart. I'm looking at the spirit of that guy. The heart in the Bible can be used interchangeably for the spirit. I'm looking at the spirit. Because the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Searching all the inward parts of the belly. Proverbs 20 and verse 27. Write it down. Proverbs 20 and verse 27. It says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Searching all the inward parts of the belly. When God wants to x-ray your life, he wants to see through your life. He sees through your spirit. Oh, I see pride in his spirit. Oh, I see bitterness in his spirit. Oh, I see this in his spirit. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. God said, I don't want that Eliab guy. Jesse brought out the next son, the second son. Big guy, big muscles. Samuel was going to anoint him. God said, no. He brought out the third one. Samuel was going to anoint him. God said, no. He brought out all his sons and God said, no, 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 no. Then Samuel said to Jesse, don't let me get confused here. The Lord sent me here. Don't you have another son? They said, oh yeah, there's still one of them. But he's a shepherd boy. He's with the sheep right now. He said, send for him. None of us will sit down until he gets here. And they stood still and David came and the Lord said, that's my guy. And he was ruddy. The Bible says, like my son, ruddy. Handsome guy. Good to look at. You know, fresh boy. He didn't look like all the big boys. He looked like a fine, fine boy that might not be able to fight. But the fighting spirit was in him. And the Lord said, that's my man. That's the man for the job. Boom. Samuel anointed him and the spirit of the Lord came upon him. The things of God are spiritually discerned. God can tell you to start a business and you feel, this business? Eh, but Lord, that's what I want to do. This is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to touch lives. I'm sending you on an assignment there. That place of work where you're working, you are there on an assignment. Don't do what the others are doing. Don't steal like them. You are different because I'm using you to make a statement in that place. The things of God are spiritually discerned. He might not pay you off now. He might not pay you. 
Because you have to trek to work sometimes and trek back home because you are not stealing like your colleagues. Those who are stealing, they have money. Plenty of money to go and eat chicken in the evening after closing from work. Not knowing, that, of course, they do know that they are making somebody cry. The owner of the business is bleeding. She's, bank, she's bankrupt the business. She's going to pay back the loan to the bank. They are doing injury to her. But you chose to not do it. A day is coming, there's going to be an auditor who will audit the account of the company. And one by one, they will be fished out. And only you will be left. And they'll say, no, this one is innocent. That's the day they will vomit everything they've eaten. But when you join the company and the Spirit of the Lord told you, don't join them to do what they're doing. It sounded foolish. The instructions of God can sound foolish many times to the natural man. But they are spiritually discerned. That's why to the natural man, it will sound foolish. Empty your account. Put it in that church project. It doesn't make any sense. The money I've saved for six months. Ah, empty the account. God, if you say 50%, yeah, I don't mind. It's very pain- Even 50% is very painful, but I will give. But to empty it, ah, I'm sorry, oh. God says, okay, that's fine. He looks for someone else. May God not pass you by. <laughs> he looks for someone else. And that someone else obeys God, boom. And when the blessing comes, they get the blessing. And you are still keeping your money. Ah, my money, my money. Your 100,000. That looks like the whole world. May we receive grace. To obey God. Let me leave you with this tonight. Obedience is key in this kingdom. Obedience is key in this kingdom. Obedience is key in this kingdom. Obedience is key. I'll leave you with two stories. We'll come up, we'll wind up in John chapter 2, the miracle of Jesus. But first of all, there's a story in 1 Kings 13. 1 Kings chapter 13. Um, 1 Kings 13, I wish. It's a very long one. I won't read everything. I'll read up to a point. I'll summarize the rest. So, behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, behold, the child shall be born unto the house of David. Josiah by name. Very specific. He was given a word of, a word of wisdom. And upon thee shall he offer the priest of the high places that burn incense upon thee. And men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. Same day. And it came to pass when King Jeroboam had the singing of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him. Don't let him go. And his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up so that he could not pull it in again to him. The altar also was rent and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, he said, entreat now the face of the Lord thy God and pray for me that my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord and the king's hand was restored him again and became as it was before. And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so was it charged me by the word of the Lord, singing, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that you came. So he went another way and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, 
And his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel, the words which he had spoken unto the king. Then they, they told also to their father. Excuse me. And their father said unto them, What way went he? For his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, Saddle me the ass. So they saddled him the ass, and he rode thereon, and went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Are thou the man of God which cameth from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord. Thou shalt eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. He said unto him, now this old prophet now said to the young prophet, I am a prophet also as thou art. I'm a prophet like you. And an angel, hmm, Akika, an angel spake unto me, Celia, by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into that house that he may eat bread and drink water. In German language, bread is brut and water is wasser. Brut and wasser. The Bible says, but he lied unto him. So he went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drank water. You are shaking your head for the man already. <laughs> See what happened to him. And it came to pass. As they sat at the table. That the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back. The old prophet. That made him sin against God. The word of the Lord now came unto him. The word didn't come to him before he lied. But now the original word. Real McCoy. Now came to him. What came to him? And he cried unto the man of God. That came from Judah. Saying. Thou sayest the Lord. For as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord. And has not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back and has eaten bread and drank water in the place of the which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread and drink no water, thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulchre of thy fathers. You will die on the way. And it came to pass after he had eaten bread. And after he had drunk bread into Jerry, he had never eaten bread in his life. The Spirit of God says fast. He says, ah, I can't fast today. Hmm. It's past 11, 11.30. You go inside the kitchen, you warm the jollof rice. Oh, I can't come and go and die. I cannot come and go and die. As if you have never eaten jollof rice before in your life. Bible says, and it came to pass after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk, that he saddled for him the ass to wit for the prophet whom he had brought back. He gave me free ride. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way. And the ass stood by it. The lion also stood by the carcass. And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way and the lion standing by the carcass. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. And when the prophet that brought him back from the way had thereof, he said, it is the man of God who was disobedient unto the word of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord has delivered him unto the lion, which had torn him and slain him according to the word of the Lord, which he spake unto him. 
And he spoke to his son, saying, Saddle me the ass, the saddle, and they saddled him. And he went and found his carcass, cast in the way, and ass, and the ass, and the lion standing by the carcass. The lion had not eaten the carcass, not on the ass. And the prophet took up the carcass of the man of God and laid it upon the ass and brought it back. And the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. That was all he did for him. Mourned him and buried him. Do you get the gist of the story? God said to the young prophet, sent him to Bethel. Go and give them, give them my word. But when, after you have delivered the message, this is my instruction. Don't eat there. Don't drink. Don't eat bread. Don't drink water. Don't drink anything. And don't return by the same way that you travel there. Take another route. And he came and delivered the message. And the king, Jeroboam, very wicked man, thought, what kind of prophet is this? What audacity? He stretched his hand to deal with the man of God, the prophet. That hand is stretched. Dried up, the Bible says. It withered. He could not return the hand. Like you want to slap a man of God. I will slap him. Yeah. yeah. Ah, man of God. Ah, you can't go. My hand. They said, withdraw your hand. He, he couldn't withdraw his hand. He now begged the man of God. Please, pray, pray, pray to your God to heal my hand, to restore my hand. And the man of God right there prayed and God heard him and then the hand was restored. Then the king said, come to my house. Come and refresh yourself. Come and eat the king's meat and I will give you a reward. I'll give you a honorarium. I'll give you five million US dollars. The prophet said, never. Even if you give me half of your house, half of your kingdom, I won't take it because the Lord said to me, don't eat there, don't drink and no even return by the same way that you came. So he departed. There were sons of one old prophet in town in that service that day. They went to tell their dad, Ah, Papa, God has left you. One young man, he came. Hey, look at all the signs he did, eh? Even the king's hand withered. Father said, eh? Which way did he travel? They told him. He got on his ass. Then they found the man where he was relaxing. He was chillaxing under an oak tree. Are you the prophet? He said, yes, sir. He said, please, get up. Come back. Come, come home with me. Come, you need to refresh. You have ministered. You, need to, you have watered. You need to be watered back. He said, no, sir, I'm not going to follow you, sir. Because the Lord said to me, I must not eat, I must not drink, and I must not even return the same way that I came. He said, come on. Uh-uh. All these small, small boys in ministry. I've been, I've been in the ministry before you were born. I'm a prophet like you. In fact, an angel said to me, go after him. Sell him. Give him bread. Sell him. Give him water. Sell him. Mm. 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 Bible says he lied to him. And he followed him. He disobeyed what the Lord said to not disobey. And while he got to the house of the old prophet, he was eating and drinking. Oh, so this meat is very, this asu, you were enjoying it. As he was eating, then the Lord used the mouth of the old prophet. Maybe the old prophet was in that town, in Bethel. Why didn't God give him that instruction to the king Jeroboam? You would know that he was a backsliding prophet. So God bypassed him, found him a man from another town to come and deliver the message. But foolishly, he followed the old prophet. And as he was eating in the house of the old prophet, the old prophet prophesied. 
An abandoned project prophesied. Because you have disobeyed the mouth of the Lord. The mouth of the Lord. He gave me a rima, God gave me a rima word. He said, you will not get to your father's, you won't get to your sepulcher. Meaning you will die on the way. You won't be buried with your fathers. Same man that caused him to backslide. Prophesied his tomb. Listen to me. When you have heard from God concerning any matter, and you are sure that this is God, confer no more with flesh and blood. Go, if you want to be doubly sure, go to the presence of the Lord. Go on a retreat. Fast and pray. And be sure you have a word from God. If the, the, the moment you are sure, run with that word. If you subject it to the validation of men, men will mislead you. The best of us men, at his best, is still a man. I am not counseling the place of seeking counsel. Hmm. But if you are sure that the Lord has said something to you, you better run with it. And when you want to get counsel, get counsel from a man that is in touch with God. Not the one that is backslidden. All of these people that are, you see on social media and everywhere, everywhere. You don't know many people. You don't know what they do. You only hear what they say. Anybody can say any nice things. Anything that is nice. Anybody can preach anything. Preach house on fire. But how is he living? You don't know. You have no clue. He said, that's my father-in-law. Oh, that's my father. Oh, my. You don't even know how he lives. And the internet is exposing many of them now. Same internet. Obedience is key. Are you with me, church? That's where I'm going to stop tonight. Obedience is key. The last scripture, we look at the ministry of Jesus. John chapter 2. John chapter 2. You know the story. Jesus and his, and his disciples went to a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And in that marriage, they ran out of wine. In verse 5, the Bible says his mother said unto him, sorry. So, well, the mother had come to him to tell him that they, they, they had no wine anymore. And in verse 4, he said, woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour is not yet come. And in verse 5, the woman acted as though she didn't even hear what he said. She just looked, she just faced the servant. Say, hey guys, look, whatever he says to you to do, do it. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And that was it. And the Bible says they were set there, six water pots of stone, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three fur kings apiece. And Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. It's a law in the kingdom. Whatever he says to you, do it. Obedience is key. The instructions of God are spiritually discerned. The things of God are spiritually discerned. You must be in the spirit to hear and to be able to discern. And the moment you hear and you're able to discern this is what God is singing to me to do, go ahead, do it. Once you have the confirmation. So this year, I'll give you a formula for success. Find out the will of God, number one. The moment you have found out the will of God, number two, confound no more with flesh and blood. Number three, get it done at all costs. Find out the will of God, number one. Number two, confound no more with flesh and blood. And number three, do it at all costs. He said to them, no, she said to them, guys, whatever he says to you to do, whatsoever. If he says jump seven times, jump seven times. Does it make sense? The water pots that were there were meant for the purifying of the Jews. 
they are coming into the feast, they will wash their hands and wash their legs and all of that. So they had those big water pots there, like what we call drum or barrels at the entrance of the event center. Jesus looked around. He saw the vessel he could use. The mother said to them, whatsoever he said to you to do, verse 5, do it. Whatsoever. Whatsoever. It might not make sense to you, but if it comes from the mouth of Jesus, do it. Are you with me? Your miracle lies right there in the whatsoever Jesus tells you to do. Six water pots. He looked at them and said to them, fill the water pot with water. They filled it. He didn't add saccharin. He didn't put sugar. He didn't do anything. He didn't even pray. I would normally, because the process of making wine, one, would take time. You will have to get some grapes and some figs and some whatever they needed to make the wine and let, leave them for a while and let them ferment and let them go through um, some process in chemistry and then you now do the brewing of the wine and whatever or you get some grapes and thresh it and Jesus didn't do any of that. He just saw them fill the water pot with water. They filled the water. And he said to them, next moment, he said, now take some, draw, draw out now. He said, draw out now. And faith is now, you know, Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith. He said, draw out now. If I was one of them, I would have said, master, I mean, you haven't done anything to this water. This is just normal water. How do you expect us to take water and go and give it to the governor and say, this is wine? Ah, uh-huh. it's water now. What if the governor tells us that we are mad and then get some, if he's a connected man in the, in the society and he's not a mean man to be the governor of the, of the, of the feast and he puts us in prison. Ah, don't put us in trouble, though. How can you say that? It's water. But they remember the mother said to them, whatsoever, whatsoever, and I'm saying that to you, church, and to those of you online, whatsoever he saith to you, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. You know what many of us are doing? He has told us certain things to do. We are still thinking about it. Mary didn't say whatever is yet until you think it. She said, do it. The future belongs to the doers. Stand on your feet, everybody. Did they get wine or not? Did they get wine or not? When the governor tasted the wine, what did he say? The water that was turned to wine. He said, every man... At the beginning of a feast, brings out the best. Is when people have taken enough, they've drunken themselves to stupor. Then you now bring out the inferior quality wine. He said, But you have reserved the best for the last. Isn't that the method of God? Saving the best for last? Even though your beginning be small, don't worry, baby. Your beginning may be small. Ah, you know, my parents, my parents are just struggling financially. Don't worry about that. Well, even I was raised in the ghetto. Sometimes when I come to church, I see some of my friends, I see their parents' cars, and I just would dream and I would wish that that was my dad. I would wish. Stop wishing all of that. Thank God he chose you and put you in that family because it's going to make a statement out of your life. Can I have an amen to that? Can I have a better amen to that? Whatsoever he says to you to do, do it. Because the things of God are spiritually discerned. Father, we thank you for this moment that we've shared together in fellowship. We thank you for instructing us in righteousness. Giving us the, the key tonight, the key of obedience. 
And as we go home, go to school, go to our various destinations, we receive the grace to obey every instruction that you give in the name of Jesus. Lord, the Bible says, and this beginning of miracles you did in Cana of Galilee, Lord Jesus, and you manifested forth your glory. So we are asking that you will continue to manifest your glory in each of our lives and in this church in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. And so may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the sweet communion of the precious Holy Spirit rest and abide with us now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, somebody shout it.